helping them. Sarah again told me today her back is doing so much better because, you know, the Lord is healing her with it. And it's through prayers that helps the Lord to, to give her that strength and that confidence and that power that comes through his effectual grace and working because the saints go in prayer for each other. And we've got uh, a lot of folks here on our list to be in prayer for. Um, Dave Ferguson, be in prayer for him and Susie too. And um, um, Vanessa's got a birthday coming up this week. So be in prayer for all of these, these people as well. Skyler's got a birthday, I know, that, uh, that he's going to be celebrating. So, so lots of things going on. And uh, there's some pamphlets back there that Brenda brought me that uh, Sunday at the end of the uh, month at, at REMC about this uh, uh, rescue relationship. So if you're interested in it, pick you up a flyer and check it out. Uh, we're going to go in prayer right now to get ready to get started in the Word of God. And I'm going to give you a moment to be in silent prayer for the things that you want to pray about and prepare for in your hearts and minds. And then I'll close this out and we'll get into our word. Father, we thank you for this great and glorious day that you've created. We're here to praise you and to worship you in, in our songs, in our prayers, and in to soak up your word. We are not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, Father, and you've recorded it for us. It will live and abide forever. And what we take in as that spiritual food, that word of God, will Go with us even into the heavenly realm, Father. It lives and abides forever. And right now, we just pray for several people, Father. And, and there's a lot of people that needs prayer. We pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds this day, Father, to your word that we're going to share. There's a great story involved here. We we pray that we'll be able to understand. May your spirit be here with us to help us in this understanding. May you be glorified above all else, Father, in the things that we say and do. And we worship you. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. The armor of God. What is it? It's the high priest armor. There's a picture there of, of a high priest from the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. And you can see when he tells us to put on that armor. And it was talking about the helmet of salvation. You can see that he's got his helmet on. And it's made of two parts. The bonnet on the top and the gold ring around, around it. Then he says, put on your breastplate of righteousness. And you've got a breastplate there upon him and all of the rest of his armor. You see the belt around the middle. There's an ephod and a belt. And we will get a little more in depth in a few minutes, but this is what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. What was that armor? And we've saw that it wasn't Roman armor, that it wasn't Goliath's armor, but it's God's armor, and it's a spiritual armor. And we're, because we're in a spiritual battle, and we've been talking about Satan's table of organization, 
and uh, his military might that was coming against us. And just to review real quick, because we've got a few new folks here with us today, I want to take us to Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 6. That's going to be the, the text. But Ephesians 1, 18 through 22 puts it like this, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of the inheritance that we as saints have in him? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the workings of his mighty power. To which he worked also in Christ Jesus when he resurrected him from the dead. And he placed him upon the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly places. Far above and here's who we're battling. The principalities, the powers, the might, the dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. And God, through that power, put all things underneath his feet and made him to be head over all things, which is to us the church, which is his body. And Paul begins the letter in this form, in this fashion, that Our eyes need to be open to the understanding of what's going on and who our battle is against because then he closes out the book in chapter 6 with the same terminology and reminding us that we need to be strong in the Lord. It's not our might that is able to fight this battle, but it's his. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put you on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the methods, the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And that's why I say, folks, we get focused on people. We get focused on each other or other people, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is a spiritual battle in reality against These things, again, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, the spiritual host or army of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up that whole armor of God for what purpose? That you might be able to stand in the day of evil and having done all to keep standing. So we're in this battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's against all of these principalities and powers. And we've talked about who they are. So I won't go over them much again. But these are archangels. These are the generals. These are the lieutenants, the majors. All the way down to the the buck private. That's what this table of organization represents. And he says to battle it, you got to be strong. But don't worry about your own might. Because it's not within your own self. The battle is the Lord's. David and Moses both said, we got to be strong in his power and his might and his exceeding greatness to be able to do it. Then twice, in verse 11 there on the bottom part, and in verse 13, he, he implores us to put on God's armor. And last week we talked a little bit about that it's not physical armor that we think of, of the Roman soldier or of Goliath, but it's spiritual armor. He says, now look up there, gird your waist with truth. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. 
your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And then above all else, take up your shield of faith because it's with it that you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Put on that helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it says praying with all prayer and supplication and spirit. Did you know that that's your weapon? The rest of it is things that God provides for us as defense. Our offense is prayer. And that's why when we implore prayer warriors to go in prayer for each other, for whatever it is, whether it's for the surgery that's coming up, whether it's for the loss of a loved one, whatever that prayer is for, prayer is our offensive weapon that he's given us to put God in action on our part. And then we saw that this is that spiritual armor, that breastplate, that helmet. Let's talk just a little bit about that then. I could spend hours going over what Exodus tells us as God told them exactly how to make every single minute detail of this armor. One day we will study Exodus in a Bible study and actually dig in deep. But I mean, it goes so far as to what color of threads, how many strands in each thread on that breastplate and on that ephod. There's four colors. There's actual gold strips that they would hammer out the gold as flat as they could and cut it into strips like thread and when they would put the maroon and the blue and the white and then the thread of gold through there, he said exactly how to do it. Very great detail goes into it, but we're only going to take a few moments, I promise you, because we're not going to be able to be here that long today. But now, he says this. First thing we're going to do is put on that helmet of salvation. We put that on, and it's like I said, it's made of two parts. Go ahead and give me the next one there, Miss T. Yeah, that helmet of salvation that we have on from the Lord. He told him to make the bonnet to cover your head and then it's made with a golden ring and it had things engraved upon it. He said, engrave it like you would a signet ring. And it's got these words, holy unto God. Whenever we put on the helmet of salvation, we become holy Unto God. You want to know how you're going to fight those battles? You know how you're going to be able to withstand the wicked one in those evil days? Whenever you really truly believe that I've been saved. That his power and his blood has saved me from anything. Then you can put that on and say I am holy unto God and you can't touch me. I am holy unto him. And when we really believe that. When you really begin to believe that you can't be touched no matter what because I have this helmet on then you will be able to withstand any of the darts of the wicked one I want you to see what it says in Romans chapter 8 about our helmet of salvation when we really put it on in faith nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us I am persuaded that there is neither death nor life. And look at these next things. Or angels. Or principalities. Or powers. That's the things that said we're battling with, right? And when we have the helmet of salvation on, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And it doesn't matter about death or life, whatever you're facing. 
principalities, powers, angels, nor height, nor depth. No created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what begins to empower you when you believe in that helmet of salvation. Next, that breastplate of righteousness that it tells us to put on. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know if you can see the little details in the middle of those stones, how that it looks like there's a a golden color in there. That golden color in the middle of those stones is the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So whenever the Lord told Moses to have this made for your brother Aaron, and he's going to be the high priest, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the names of the children of Israel. And the the stones are colored to represent the standards, the flags of those 12 tribes. Each tribe had a flag, Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Each tribe had their standard that they, that they bore and the colors and the names are written there. You know why? So that whenever the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and when he would offer up that blood upon the altar that would represent our Lord and Savior on the cross, he took with him the names of all the people of God before the face of God so that God would be able to recognize that and to cleanse and protect and forgive every single person represented by those tribes of the Lord to remind him that this is your people that we are here offering this for, Lord. And the Lord would honor that to protect them. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. Not only for ourselves to God, but for God to the world out around us. And we take with us in that prayer that we offer up, we bear not only ourselves, but the names of all of us that are our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. It's, a, it's like the tribes of Israel that we go on with all the prayer and supplication. And then... It's kind of a little bit hard to see, but down at the very bottom on the two corners on the bottom, it's gold chains on the top. On the bottom, it's two blue strands that ties it to the belt. That's that belt of truth. You know what truth is? It's the Word of God. The Word of God holds everything together. And your breastplate of righteousness is tied down to the, to the belt of truth to secure it, to keep it there because you know what would happen if you didn't have it they are all the time offering up sacrifices bending over to do stuff and that thing would be flopping around everywhere your breastplate of righteousness is secured by the belt of truth to your heart and it covers your heart and keeps you pure and righteous before god psalm 119 verse 160 says The entirety of your word, O Lord, is truth. We put on that belt. We gird ourselves with the belt of truth. Every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. Jesus said in John 17, 17, whenever he went to the cross, Sanctify them. Sanctify your people, Lord, by your word. 
for your word is truth. So we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are held in place, girded by the belt of truth, which is the word of God, which is laid up for us. Then we're going to need faith. Because our text back in Ephesians six sixteen there says that above all... We've got a helmet of salvation. We've got a breastplate of righteousness. We've got a belt of truth that girds us about. But he says, above all, take with that your shield of faith. Because that is what's going to quench all of those fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, take that. That's a guarantee. I want you to look up there. I think I underlined it. You will be able to quench all the darts. It's not optionable. It's not maybe your shield of faith will work. If you've got your helmet of salvation on, if you've got your breastplate on and it's tied down to truth, he says, take up then your faith in Jesus Christ and it will quench every fiery dart of the enemy, of the wicked one. You or I are priests. That holy garment that we is looking at. In 1 Peter 2, verse 5 and in verse 9, Peter says these things. He says, we are lively stones. We are a spiritual house. We are a holy priesthood. Our purpose is to offer up spiritual gifts that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then again in verse 9, he says... You are a chosen generation. You are chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's own special people. We need to believe it and act like it and live like it and have the faith like it that we are God's special people, this royal, holy priesthood that we have. But then... And there's two other verses in Revelation where it says that Jesus has made us to be kings and priests with him. But then I got to thinking this last week, there's a difference between priests and the high priest. There's only one high priest. The rest of the priests didn't wear that garment. They wore their white robes. Guess what we've been given Remember when we studied the seven churches of Revelation, it talked about how to walk uprightly and to keep your robes white. And how that it says that whenever we get to heaven, we're going to get white robes handed to us, the priestly garments. I got to thinking, well then, why are we commanded to put on the high priest garment? Because we only got one high priest, that's Jesus Christ. I don't put on his garments, do I? No, I put on Christ. I put on Christ and it's his garments, his power. None of it is my strength. None of it's because I am the priest. It's because he's the high priest. And I'm a priest underneath of him. And I put him on. And when I put him on, I am putting his power, his strength, his garments, his protection upon me. Then it says in Hebrews 2.17 that he is the high priest. He came to earth and was made a man like us 
so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all of the things pertaining to God, to be able to make for you and I a propitiation for our sins. For in he himself suffered and tempted, he is able to aid us who are tempted. He became like us so that he would understand how to be able to help us through our trials, through our times of temptation, through the things that persecute us from the wicked one because no one was persecuted more than he was when he came to the flesh and he was persecuted by Satan. And now as our high priest, he's able to help us. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 there says, We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast to our confession and our profession as priests as well. And then... It says in Galatians 3.27, and here's how we get those priestly garments. For you are all, folks, read your name there. Glenn, you are a son of God. Melissa, you are a son of God. Put your name right here. You are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have what? You've put on Christ. How do you put on those holy garments? By putting on Christ. Because he's our high priest. He's faithful. He's the one that's able to help us. And faith in Christ leads us to do what he asked us to do. Because there's a difference between belief and faith. Belief is knowing that he's there but not doing what he says. That's why James can say, you believe that there is one God, you do well, but the demons believe and yet tremble. They know, but they don't obey. They don't follow. They're not obedient. Obedience to the word of God and that belief leads to what faith is. The chapter of faith was all about that. By faith, Noah when he was warned of God, moved with fear to build the ark. Otherwise, it would have just been belief if he sat there and didn't build the ark. Faith is doing what you was asked to do. Every single thing in chapter 11, whether it was Moses not staying in Pharaoh's house, but going on and suffering with the children of God for a small time because he knew the reward that laid ahead. Or whether it was Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees and wandering in tents the rest of his life because God told him to do it. If these people, these men and women, didn't obey the word of God, it would have been believe, but not faith. And he says, whenever you believe, as Jesus said, and are baptized, you have now received faith, and you have put on Christ, and you have put on that armor of God. And then we go to Romans 13, 12 through 14 that says the night is far spent. What do we do after that faith leads us to that? We get up and we're moving on in the Christian life. He says, your day is far spent. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on what? Our armor. Get on and get on with your armor. Put on the armor of light. Then you walk properly like you're in the day. Not in revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust or strife or envy or any such thing. 
But put on what? You put on the Lord and His armor of light upon you to be able to battle and withstand all of those temptations. But put on the Lord Jesus and make no provocation for your flesh. Don't give in to those things. So then now, let me give you an example from the Word of God about putting on God's armor. There were some young men back in the, back in the day of Nebuchadnezzar. They hadn't been acting in faith and doing what the Lord had told them to do, the nation as a whole and the leadership. So he comes in and the Lord allows him to take over the land. They invade. And what they do is, is they take the brightest, the young men that was royalty of the royal family, and all of the princes, the cousins, the people, and they test them for a couple years to see if they can use them as great men in their kingdom. If they can brainwash them to believe in their ways, and if they're bright, they can be used for the goodness of our country. So they come in and they take all of these young men, and we have four of them that are mentioned there in the first part of the book of Daniel. There's Daniel, and there's Shadrach, and there's Meshach, and like I used to think as a kid, a billy goat. I thought his name was a billy goat. And I was wondering, they brought a billy goat with them. And then as I got older and I could read, it was no Abednego. So there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that was with Daniel. And they brought them out of Judah and out of their land of Israel. And they took them over to Nebuchadnezzar's land in Babylon. And they began to show themselves as men of valor. Men of faith and God's favor upon them. And I want you to think, you've been jerked out of your country, completely away from family, away from your people, away from your home. You're in a different place, and they are trying to brainwash you. But these men, young men, had the courage and the valor to stand against that. We know about the image and Daniel being able to interpret that dream, and then we get to chapter 3. Chapter 3, these young men are still in the early part of their testing and their faith in God. God, they have been so faithful up to this point, but now a real test begins to happen. I hope that none of us ever get tested like this, because this is a serious test. But we get to Daniel chapter 3 and about verse 13, and... It says the king is overcome in a fit of rage because he set up this image. And he wanted everybody to worship that image. They Boy, they've got him puffed up about how great he is. And the band struck up and started playing. And when it did, everyone was supposed to bow down to that image. Well, these three men didn't do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, and they didn't break. So it was told... To them by some of the other people who were jealous of these Israelites who had gained favor in the king's sight. It was told to king, hey, those three men didn't bow down. The king became in a fit of rage and he said this. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, present yourselves before me. And he said, is it true that you will not serve my gods and you will not bow down to my idol that I have set up and that you are still worshiping only your God? Well, I'm going to tell you, 
I'm going to cast you into a flaming furnace fire if you do not bow down and I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you a do-over. It's like whenever amateurs are out golfing and they miss the putt, they want a do-over and try to put it back in the hole again. Give me a gimme. He says, I'm going to let you have a do-over. Pretend that you didn't do that. I'm going to have the band strike up again and I want you to bow down this time. And when presented with that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, No, we're not going to do it, king. O king, be it known to you this day that our God is able to deliver us. Our God is able to defend us and deliver us from that fiery... What does your shield of faith protect you from? All the what? All the fire. It amazes me that the same word is right here. Three or four times it says the fiery furnace. It's not just the heat, the flame. It's the fiery furnace. Be it known you this day that our God is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But we know he's able, but if he decides not to, be it known also that we trust in him Our faith is in Him, and we will not bow down to you or your gods or your image, O King. That made him even matter to be disrespected in front of everyone to his face, in front of all of the cabinet that's there with him and stuff. And then he said this. Now, is that not putting your armor on? Is that not putting your armor on in faith when you look the king in the eye and the fire's being there and heated up and you say, I'm still not going to do it because my God is able to deliver me? That's putting your armor on. There's an example of putting on Christ in his armor no matter what the situation is. So, comes down after that verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar says was full of fury. The expression on his face changed again towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he shouted, heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it normally is. And get ready to cast them into it. Heat it up. Then it says this in verse 21. The men, the men of the army, the men of valor that's going to throw him in. He called for the men of valor, the courageous men, to bind him up. And it says they were bound with their what? Their hats. Think of the uh, helmet of salvation. And their coat, their breastplates of righteousness. And then what's it say? Their other what? Garments. What have we been talking about that we put on through Christ? His priestly garments, right? It's amazing how the word of God is using fiery furnace. And they, he goes to great length to say they were put in there and bound with their garments on. They didn't remove their garments. They didn't divulge their faith. They kept on, they held on, and they remained in their garments before the king. And they bound them up in the garments. And the flame was so hot when they opened the door. That the men, the mighty men of valor fainted, fell and were killed instantly by the heat of that fiery furnace. And as it is, it said that 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell in. It was like they started to cast them in, and as they pushed, they fell in, and the servants fell back dead from the heat. But something happened. Because why? They're down there with their garments on. They've got their garments on. And the king looks in. He's expecting just to see him singed up. But what does he say? He says, he calls to the people that were standing around and said, Did we not cast three men into that fiery furnace? And they answered him and said, Yea, king, we cast three men into that fiery furnace. And he says, Why then do I see four men walking around loose in the furnace? And one of them looks like who? Son of God. You know why? They got their armor on. They put on the Lord. Like he told them to do. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the armor of his light. And you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And he says, I threw them into the fire. But there's four. And it looks like the Son of God. And now he's afraid. Because he had just told them something before that. Whenever they said they wouldn't bow, he said, What God is there that can deliver you from the furnace? What God is there? You see, he didn't really believe in a higher power, did he? He believed that there might be a deity, but he didn't have faith. He didn't know that there's a God that's powerful enough to deliver you from the fire. He had a head belief, but he didn't have faith. Now, all of a sudden, he's scared because he's looked faith in the eye and saw how real the God Jehovah is. And all of a sudden, he shouts out and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come on out of the furnace. Come up here to me. And it says those three men walked out of the furnace and stood before him. And all of a sudden, now he's the one that's bowing down before the Lord God of heaven. And he said, You have proved to me through your faith. You did not bend. You did not allow yourself to not have faith in your God. You held on even in the face of all of this trial and this temptation that I put you through. And you held tight to your faith. And now I know that there is no God that delivers Like the God Jehovah does of Israel. And he commanded all the people to write it down. That there is no God like Jehovah. The God of the Israelites. Now. Blessed be the God. He said of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You did not yield your bodies. What did we start the year out with? You remember what the year was? Year of transformation. Remember we're going to be transformers. You remember there in. In uh, Romans chapter 12, it says for us not to be conformed to this world, but to be, ye what, transformed. Okay, this is exactly what the king is saying here. You didn't yield yourselves. Yield means to conform. You didn't become conformed to this world. You didn't be conformed to my rules, my ways, our country's ways over what my your the word of your God was. You didn't yield. You wasn't conformed, 
but you have now transformed my way of thinking that your God is the God. This is what happens when you're a transformer. This is what happens when you in faith really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, I am covered by that armor. I am covered no matter what result comes back. I know it's going to be good, but no matter what, I'm covered, aren't I? I am covered no matter what, even though I go in there at the hospital and they're putting that defibrillator in, but I'm covered, aren't I? And I've got my armor on, aren't I? I can go on and on with all of the folks that we've prayed for and they know that they're wearing the armor of God. Folks, if you're not in Jesus Christ, I pray that you make that decision today, that you get your armor on, that you will be not only believe in Him, but then in faith do what He's asked you to do. To not only be baptized into Christ, but also then to put that armor on and walk in light each day. To have that faith that keeps you from the fiery darts of the wicked one. So... As our worship team comes on up and we get ready to close this out again, that's an amazing story. And I'm so thankful that none of us really have to face those kind of things in our country as being a Christian. But I'm going to tell you, it may not be far off. There are forces at work that are trying to make this no longer a place where you can worship the Lord freely. That's why we got to go in prayer and supplication for those things. We have to have our armor on each day. I pray that we're never faced with that. I don't, I don't know. I pray all the time that, that I could be that faithful whenever you're confronted with that. We need our armor. Otherwise, we cannot withstand. There is no God who can deliver us like Jehovah and his son. His word of truth is not only the belt that we're girded with and that holds everything together, but it's our sword. It's our only offensive weapon, the sword and our prayers of righteousness. Those are the offensive things that he's given us to be able to defend ourselves. So I ask you today, put your armor on each and every day. Be transformed and not conformed. Walk in faith. Walk in the light. Believe that he is able to deliver you and to shield you from all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's pray. Oh, Father. You know my reaction this week whenever these things were revealed to me and what I did as I sit there. I was humbled so much how that you have led us to this place. And you said no, because in my flesh, I wanted to bring up Daniel in the lion's den or Moses at the water when the Egyptian army was coming as the faith and the shield that we have. And that little voice kept saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And finally, when I turned to those pages and I saw the words fiery and I saw they were bound with their garments on, how truly humbled I was and knew that your inspiration in the word of God was tying those 
scenes together to give us an idea, something to actually look at as faith and keeping our armor, our garments on in spite of whatever the world throws at us. Father, I pray that your word be powerful in your people. In those who will, were here listening to this today, may your word be powerful and effective. And may it change our lives. May it create us to be transformers. Thank you for Jesus, the high priest who suffered so that now he could be our faithful high priest and to take care of us. Thank you for that blood in Jesus' name. Amen.